This is Bootstrap FM, a show about real life as a small business in the technology industry. We talk transparently about lifestyle, tools, struggles, and successes in small shops like ours. Today we're going to do a little shop catch-up show. So uh, we're going to go through some of the things that are going on in the Limelight shop um, and some of the recent industry happenings. Uh, a couple things right off the bat. We've got, um, uh, we're working on hiring. I've been working on hiring kind of a right-hand person, uh, somebody to help me sort of juggle all of the things that uh that I have to get done on a daily basis, you know, running multiple different small businesses. So I'm super excited. We made an offer um, to a young lady this past week um, and she accepted. So I think she starts a week from tomorrow on Monday. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hopefully that's going to help take a little bit of the load off of me. Um, just kind of daily workflow things that have to get organized, getting our documentation up to date, all that kind of stuff. So pretty jazzed about, uh, about that happening. We'll see how that kind of plans out. We did, uh, go pick up, um, a new 16 inch MacBook pro for her. Um, and I know she's a windows person, so she's gonna, she's gonna have to transition over to the Mac. So that's going to be an interesting, interesting thing for her, but, um, I think we'll be in good shape. Um, some other things that are going on in the shop. We are, I've been, uh, our shop downtown Spokane, we've had 100 meg fiber from Allstream for about the last, oh, I don't know, five years or so. Um, been super reliable for us, been really good. No complaints as far as that goes, but, you know, the dollar amounts are going down for bandwidth. Um, and so this year, our renewal, we're up for renewal in June. And I did a little bit of investigation, just kind of looking around to see, first off, if it was possible for us to move to gigabit. Um, and, or kind of drop our monthly spend. Um, cause we spend kind of on the order of seven, $800 a month on synchronous hundred gig commercial fiber. Um, after kind of all is said and done, it might be eight plus eight, eight fifty or so after, you know, taxes and fees and all that baloney. So, um, I sent out a couple of early, uh, last month, um, I think the first part of February, I started looking at estimates from people and I sent out a couple of requests from Zio, who I know owns the fiber that we're on, that Allstream leases. I sent another, you know, another one out to Allstream. Then I kind of did some investigation into some of these other paths and um, vendors of what's possible. Uh, CenturyLink has been doing a big push recently for, in our area for gigabit fiber. I know they have that kind of in some of the residential areas, but they also have kind of a a low level um, offering called fiber plus, I think is what it's called gigabit synchronous. Um, but it's kind of a, sort of like a mesh networking, I think is how they do it. The routing is not uh, dedicated per customer. So I think it's more like the way that uh, cable works for Comcast, but anyway, um, can't beat their price. I mean, it was like uh, four or 500 bucks uh, for one gig. Um, and so I went back and forth with Allstream. Those guys were going to have that installed. Um, and see kind of how that goes. I'm going to test it for 90 days before we, uh, before our Allstream um, contract is up. And hopefully that will be awesome, but we'll see how it goes. At the same time, I'm going to put some new Microtech, put a new Microtech core router in, big fans of Microtech. I'm going to put a new core router in the shop, get that upgraded, um, upgrading all of our Wi-Fi um, access points. Um, they've been in there for, since we've been in the shop, so six, seven years um, and they only do 802.11 A and B. We've got a handful. So in the dev room, we've got an AC 
um, access point. I'm going to upgrade kind of the rest of the building to, um, to do AC. So, um, that should be pretty fun. I'll kind of keep, you know, keep the show updated on what's going on with connectivity. Once we get some of that, we do a little bit of testing, some other things that are going on, um, recently, obviously this last week, um, we've just got crazy, all the coronavirus craze and, and what's going on with that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in a minute, but, um, a few weeks ago, um, you know, just had a, a very volatile market. So I do a little bit of trading, um, stocks, mostly in the tech area. I'm mostly just playing really in the last year, kind of experimenting, trying to understand and learn more. I'm, you know, student of the internet. I love to learn. I'm always doing something. Um, and so I started, uh, I opened an account on Robinhood. I think, I don't know, probably a year and a half ago and had, uh, some miscellaneous stocks and, and that kind of a thing. And then got a little bit more into it as things were increasing this last year. Um, the market was looking really good and I've got some Microsoft and some Apple and Amazon and, um, Tesla, um, you know, made some decent amount of money on Tesla, uh, just kind of some interesting things there kind of playing, but man, with the volatility over the course of the last couple of weeks, Robinhood is just tanking. I mean, they are, they just can't get the reliability in their platform, which is really surprising for me. I mean, I, their platform is super simple, so it's easy for people to get in and get started. Um, that's kind of what attracted to me. It was just easy to kind of get fired up. And Michael, um, which I had on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, lead dev at Limelight, he kind of toys around in there as well. So we, we, you know, banter back and forth about what's going on in the market and that type of a thing. But, um, it just went, they've, you know, two or three pretty major outages. One, uh, a couple of weeks back on, I think it was the 28th. Uh, I believe it was the 28th where it just, it crashed and went down for the whole day. And we had this great recovery day. Um, and they had their platform was down for like an eight hour window of time. And then the following Monday, it was down again. It was just nutty. So, um, lots of outages. I'm, I, you know, I think they should be doing it. I, I totally have, uh, you know, I don't envy their, <laughs> their tech team cause they're dealing with all this cloud stuff, but, um, I, I you know, that's not a good enough uh, answer for me. I, th- I think it makes me a little bit nervous that they're, you know, they have a bunch of money, they have a bunch of customers and they're not able to get the reliability right for some of this stuff for their, for their backend platform for trading. So I'm kind of making the jump to TD Ameritrade, um, which I don't know, we'll see how that goes. So it's kind of interesting. They have a pretty cool mobile app. I'm, I'm not, a, an investor stock investor. I don't know. Uh, I'm not knowledgeable in that way. Um, so most of this is kind of a learning process for me because I think it's interesting. Um, so I'm really just kind of playing around, but moved all that stuff over to think or swim. We'll see how it goes, but, uh, back to coronavirus, man, it is just crazy. Um, obviously we are in Eastern Washington and this past Friday, um, governor Inslee shut down the entire state, uh, schools wise. So basically all schools are out until at least April 27th, I believe is the date. Um, so my kids are out, you know, I've got, um, I've got my two and then Mandy, my wife has, she's got her two. So together we have four in the house and all the kids are going to be home. You know, for us, we're pretty lucky and then we have some pretty flexible, pretty flexible work environment. And really for Limelight, you know, we're all, all the devs, pretty much everybody in the shop is set up to be able to work remotely. We have, we have laptops for everybody. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of remote, remote work as it is, uh, we have kind of, um, what we call a flex time policy where developers can work 
you know, the intention is that everybody shows up for stand-up on Mondays at 9. Uh, we do our stand-up. Um, pretty much if you have customer meetings and those types of things, you, you know, you're expected to kind of be in the office. But aside from that, as long as you're getting your time in, um, you're meeting your development hour quota um, and, and getting jobs accomplished and customers are happy and things are moving forward, you know, we're, we're really, really flexible on being able to work from wherever you want to. So um, not, not a huge deal for us. We're going to try to work from home as a group over the course of the next couple of weeks, just till things kind of settle down and we see how things go. Um, a little social dis- distancing, that's kind of the term that everybody's doing right now. So that's going to be sort of interesting. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what people are doing, um, some of the tools that we use that kind of help us with that uh, remote workforce stuff. Um, and, you know, I would really, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up at the end of the show. I don't think the show is going to be very long today. So I just have a couple things to talk about here, but um, I would really like to get maybe over the course of the next few weeks, uh, some input from some other business owners. So some other small business owners, I want to understand, I want to hear a little bit about how this situation, the coronavirus situation is affecting you, how it's affecting your business. Um, and, you know, again, from a, from a, from a software perspective, we're a small software shop. Um, most of our clients, you know, background investigation, um, app developers, um, lots in credit and criminal pre-tenancy, pre-employment space. Uh, we're not really seeing a slowdown. I just saw just a couple minutes ago, it's Sunday when I'm recording this, and I just saw a couple minutes ago that the Fed just dropped the interest rate to zero, um, which means to me, and, and I also understand that after you know the drop a couple weeks ago, that it was just that the mortgage industry is going bonkers right now. So we still have a lot of customer work to do. Um, I'm hoping that continues and things, you know, I'm kind of crossing my fingers that we'll be okay. I think there, there are going to be a lot of industries that are hit really, really, really hard. And it's going to be, you know, I just kind of want to watch and see what happens. We're kind of wishing the best for everybody um, and trying to contribute where we can, but I'd really love to have some conversations with some of the other small business owners. Tech space would be great. Other space is okay. Also how this stuff is affecting you, um, you know, and maybe we can connect, get some people connected and and reach out and, and potentially help with some of that stuff. So, um, yeah, if you, you know, do, do reach out to me. Um, if you have a small business that you, um, that you run today, that is, uh, uh we want to hear about how this whole coronavirus is impacting you. I think, you know, for, <clears throat> for storefronts, retail restaurants, anything that's kind of out in the world, those guys are going to be hit the hardest. It's going to be really, really difficult for those guys to continue. And I know, uh, federal government and the state governments are are doing what they can to provide some additional funding. Um, I've already seen that you can, you know, there are unemployment unemployment benefits being unlocked for people that have um, are getting less hours worked. So I think there's some flexibility. You know, the benefit that we have right this second is we've had an amazing market, and so I think we've been kind of living high. Um, we're, we're fat and happy at the moment, uh, from the last, you know, 18 months or so, two years. So, um, that's a good thing, but I think this, uh, you know, this, this summer's gonna, how this pans out is going to be really interesting to see. Um, so wishing the best for everybody. And I do want to hear your story. So, um, you know, get a hold of me, bootstrap.fm front slash contact. I'll repeat that again, um, at the end of the show, but, uh, definitely reach out. I'd like to have an interview with you and, and hear how you're doing. But um, uh, back to kind of how, you know, working from home, what the situation is with working from home, how we deal with it. So 
obviously we've got a bunch of software developers at Limelight anyway. You know, we've got a handful of businesses. We've got Limelight, um, which is my software development company um, that I've talked about before on the show. That's kind of the reason I'm doing some of the show. Um, Property Sync Software Systems, uh, which is an online SaaS platform for the title industry. Um, so it's another, you know, software industry or software platform. Um, we have uh, a couple of commercial buildings that I'm involved with and tenancy there is going to be interesting how this plays out. But as far as Limelight goes, we're a bunch of geeks <laughs> that sit on computers all day long. And as long as we've got an internet access and a machine, for us, it's pretty straightforward Um Remote work is commonplace for us. Um, we have a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the a, a flex time policy where guys can work from home whenever they want, for the most part, except for client meetings and Monday standups, and if they want to come in for Thursday lunch or Frosty Beaver Friday. Um, but really, our our crew is is very much used to working from home as it is and working remotely. So we have a couple of tools, handful of tools that work really well for us. Um, Slack. We're heavy users of Slack, which I've mentioned, you know, Michael and I talked a little bit about a couple shows back about how we deal with inter-office communication. Um, Slack worked really, really good. I'm a big fan of Telegram. Uh, for those business owners out there that don't want to make an investment in Slack, Telegram is a great option. Um, it's secure. Um, it's free. There are no ads. Uh, I actually am trying to get kind of my family migrated over to Telegram off of Facebook because I'm not a big I, I don't necessarily trust Facebook on <laughs> what they're doing with our data. I think Telegram is a little bit more trustworthy, even though they're, you know, they're offshore as well. But um, for chat applications, Slack is a big one for us. We use that heavily all the time. And even over this, this past weekend, as things have been kind of bouncing around, um, we've been chatting back and forth in the office um, via some of our internal Slack channels. Zoom is another great tool for us that we use for um, teleconferences. So we work quite a bit with remote customers across the country. Um, you know, we work with a lot of Spokane customers as well, and typically they will come in. But um, we host a lot of, uh, you know, technical Zoom meetings where we'll do stand-ups with remote development teams. Um, we have sales calls and those types of things. Zoom's great for screen sharing and camera, you know, camera sharing, video conferencing. Um, and they do a really good job with just regular audio conferencing. Um, they offer default recording, which works really, really well um, because we can go back and review calls that we've had with particular customers. Um, so that's a really good tool for us just on the communication side. Um, as far as keeping track of kind of our to-do list, I'm, you know, personally, I have uh, 28 different Trello boards that I've got things all over the place. It's kind of a giant personal to-do list that I use. Um, but in the shop, for development sprints and those types of things, uh, we use a tool called U-Track, which I talked a little bit before um, in one of our previous episodes. It's a tool from the JetBrains crew. Um, similar, I guess, in context to Jira, if some of you have heard about or use um, Jira as a ticketing system, U-Track is very similar. We're big fans of U-Track. We like it. We like the feature set better. Um, you know, recently doing a lot of upgrades on their mobile app. It, we have tons of integrations with our Slack install. So that actually does a really good job for us. Um, internally, we also have a couple of different systems for managing our time tracking. And I do want to do kind of a larger episode on time tracking because I think it's interesting for some of the different uh, tech um, companies that might be listening, how we track time, the tools that we use. But we have an internal application. It's a web-based application that I wrote starting, oh, what year is it? 2020, a decade, more than a decade ago, 2008, I think is when I started it. Uh, and it's an old 
PHP application that sits on top of uh, uh, Postgres. Uh, we call it Extranet, and it tracks. It's kind of like a combination of a little bit of a CRM. So it has all, all of our customer records, all of our invoicing is in there. Um, historically, it had expenses and our phone system in there. But the core of what it does anymore, we've kind of replaced some of those other legacy areas of the system with other tools like QuickBooks and um, those types of things for for invoicing. But we still rely heavily on that internal application for tracking time because obviously all of our developers have to track time all the time for any client project they happen to be on and i'll go into more detail on that later but web-based application again um, so that's super easy for us uh dropbox we make heavy use of dropbox we have a dropbox business um, install uh, we use a lot of dropbox paper um, really big fans of Dropbox Paper. I don't know if some of you guys um, have used or are familiar with Dropbox Paper, but it's a free tool. Obviously, when you got Dropbox, you get it also, but um, it's a free tool for for pretty much anybody to use. And they have a great editing interface that you can share and see edits in real time. And there's a there are a few open source tools that work like that, but Dropbox Paper works great for uh, much better than Google Docs for things like meeting notes, standups, those types of things. The mobile apps uh, work offline and they're synchronized with the web-based application. So it's just a really solid application for joint note-taking. Great for meetings. Um, We do pretty much all of our meeting notes in Dropbox Paper. And then obviously for remote access to, we, we lock down a lot of things, a lot of our customer Amazon accounts by, um, uh, firewall network routes. So we have a WireGuard VPN. So historically we used IPsec um, on our, our core MicroTik router that drops into the office over fiber. Um, now, I don't know, month and a half ago or so um, with all of the talk about WireGuard, I've, you know, done, did a lot of investigation about WireGuard, how it works, what it does, those types of things, and set up a Raspberry Pi in our shop that runs uh, a WireGuard endpoint. So now all of our devs remote in either phone, laptop, whatever, um, whatever device they happen to be using, I have uh, different installs for each different device and we can restrict access to different networks and um, AWS installs with WireGuard. So uh, definitely recommend WireGuard if you haven't heard um, about it or haven't used it in the past. It's actually super, super amazing. So Uh, I would definitely encourage you to jump in and play with that. Um, So that's kind of our remote workflow. You know, most of our stuff is online. I'm a big fan of not having a local install Um, anymore for our developers. We use, uh, we all have encrypted drives. Most of us, actually all of us at the currently are on, on Mac, uh, Macs, either Mac minis or MacBook pros. Um, And I'm a big fan of disposable hardware. So at any given time, I should be able to take my phone, my laptop, whatever it happens to be, chuck it out in the middle of the street, middle of the freeway, lose it, have it stolen, and it not be uh, a major roadblock for me getting back up and running. Really, I can go down to the Apple store um, or wherever, pick up a new MacBook, fire it up, do a base install, and in a day, uh, I can be up and running again with all of my regular tools and really have no loss of data. All of our source code is in GitLab for all the client sites, all of our application running, uh, all of the application code typically is in AWS, Google Cloud Platform, or Azure. Um, Desktop stuff, it's all, you know, it's backed up in various different places. So um, I'm a big fan of that as kind of a model, a service-based model. doesn't work for everybody, and you're paying monthly fees, but, uh, you know, it works really well in production for a small business. So definitely uh, I'm a fan of that direction, but... 
Um, I am going to try. So one thing that's super interesting, um, the guys on, I'm, so I'm a huge fan. Do, do a little podcast update here. Kind of some of the things that I'm working on with the podcast. Obviously, I think I've been doing a fairly decent job of getting our audio quality a little bit better. Um, really been putting a lot of effort into software and tools and hardware and all the different things to try to get that thing up to snuff. Don't really know what I'm doing. It's a learning process. So, but I'm, you know, having fun doing that. Um, I'm a big fan of the guys over at uh, um, Jupiter Broadcasting. So pretty much anything they put out. Um, Chris Fisher's kind of the lead guy over there um, at Jupiter Broadcasting. Linux Unplugged is kind of their main, their main thing, but I used to listen to Coda Radio. Um, I reached out to Chris, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. He's kind of helped me pick out a couple of different tools for the podcast. Um, has been super helpful. I really like their format. I really like their back and forth banter um, on the different shows. So I reached out to him a couple of weeks ago and just asked if he'd be willing to kind of, um, if I could buy some of his time to help me get things set up and do the right thing and, and post to the right areas and, you know, help me with audio quality and music and where things get submitted and those types of things. So shout out to Chris. Um, he's at Chris Lass on uh, Twitter and anything over to Jupiter Broadcasting. Those guys do just such an amazing job um, and have a pretty cool story about what they've accomplished over the course of the last couple of years. But anyway, so he, he's able to jump in and give me some help. Um, for for podcast setup, I want to talk about that just for a little bit because I did have I did an interview this past week with uh, a film production company, which is going to come out here in a future episode, um, probably probably next week, depending on how things go. And they had some interest in sort of how we were doing things with podcasts, what we're doing, what tools we're using, how post production works, that type of thing, and. I'm a huge, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm a student. I love learning new things all the time. It's kind of my, keeps my brain busy. So this whole um, adventure into podcasting has been pretty entertaining. Um, you know, we've bought some good hardware and we're kind of using it. So I want to talk a little bit about that setup that we have. Um, so initially I started with, I went out and bought this uh, Apogee USB interface. Uh, I'll talk about USB interfaces, audio interfaces. So I bought an Apogee one USB interface um, and actually recorded, I think the very first episode off of that, just using GarageBand. Again, I talk about being a Mac guy. That worked pretty well. I bought a Rode uh, Procaster, I think it's called. Yes, a Rode Procaster microphone um, was kind of the first one plugged into that. And that worked pretty well, worked pretty decent. And then I started looking at mixing channels and how I was going to do interviews and all these different things, having four different mics involved um, for doing interviews. I started building a studio in our building down uh, downtown Spokane as a place where I can do in-person interviews and kind of get really good audio quality. So GarageBand worked great. Um, Chris recommended Auphonic, which is another tool that works really, really well for removing some of the backend sound stuff, doing a little post-processing. Um, love it. Works awesome. Use that with some of the early, uh, the first couple of episodes that I recorded in, in GarageBand. Um, also a recommendation from Chris was Squadcast, uh, which kind of is a site that will help you record remote interviews with people and upload the audio directly in real time. So you get a high quality audio channel for both ends. So basically, and they provide some video conferencing and kind of the conference, the, the VoIP stuff. So you send out a Squadcast invite link, your one, two, or three different guests or co-hosts join that link and you're all in together. And on each end, if they have a 
they have a decent microphone, it's recording a copy of that on each end on their own end. And then at the end of the show or the interview, you gather up all those audio files and you and you can post process and it's much better than than voice audio. So for anybody that has a microphone, if you've got somebody, if you've got a co-host or if you have a remote, um, you're doing a remote interview with somebody that has a decent set of audio and maybe a set of headphones, that the audio quality on something like Squadcast is fantastic. Um, I'll put some links in the show in the show notes about uh, um, Auphonic and Squadcast, but I've been super happy. I've done a couple interviews now with Squadcast and it's been great. A couple weeks ago, um, I wasn't super happy with GarageBand. Chris said, hey, you might want to go check out Logic or download the Adobe. Well, I don't remember what the Adobe product is. I never went and grabbed it, but um, you know, he had some a couple of suggestions about what to use. Um, and there's all kinds of different audio tools out there. There's Reaper. There's all You get on some of the podcast forums and Reddit, subreddits, and everybody's got a recommendation. Everybody says this works great. Everybody says whatever. But um, I did a little bit of digging, and I found out about this product called Hindenburg journalist, which is sort of dedicated towards storytellers, which is really what podcasting is. It's all about storytelling. So they have a, they have a tool called Hindenburg journalist pro. And I grabbed that a couple weeks ago and I have to say it is so much better for me, for my use case and my workflow a million times better than, than using GarageBand. Um, the thing about GarageBand and logic and these other tools is they're primarily focused around music production and editing and podcasting is a little bit different. Hindenburg um, journalist pro is focused around storytelling, podcasting, audiobooks, interviews, so on and so forth. So although the interface is similar and then you have multiple tracks and you can do multi-track recording, if you buy the pro product, um, it makes, it just has some great tools for doing ducking with some of your audio, some basic fades, um, those types of things are just dead, dead, dead simple inside Hindenburg. So I've been using that for the last couple of weeks and I'm recording into that right now, although you could record into anything and just do post in Hindenburg, but I'm recording into that right now. Huge, huge, huge fan. Um, so far, um, I only, I'm only a couple weeks in, so we'll see how it goes. But, um, so now my current setup, um, when I'm at the, uh, the, the other thing aside from software, talk a little bit about hardware again also is, um, I, I bought a Rodecaster Pro, which is Rode's podcast specific, uh, audio interface. So it's got space for four mics and it's got an SD card and it has some buttons for bringing in sounds. If you're doing live shows and you, you've got mixer levels, so you can mess with all your mixers and a Bluetooth channel and, um, that type of thing. So that is pretty much my primary interface these days. And I, I do record to the SD card, but really just as a backup, typically I'm recording into the DAW directly on a, on a Mac machine. Um, so kind of jumped around here a lot, but the Rodecaster Pro is fantastic. Works really great. Hindenburg Journalist Pro is fantastic and works really great for me. Might not be a great setup for everybody, but I really, really enjoy it. I really enjoy how simple it is. I don't have all the time in the world. I'm interested in learning, but I don't have all the time in the world to go become an audio engineer. You know, primary job is development, running the businesses, those types of things. So I need something that works really quick. Um, so that's, that's been great for me. Um, Rode Procaster mics. So going into an Apogee one for when a single mic setup or the Rodecaster pro when I'm at the audio or uh, when I'm at, at the audio, when I'm at the office, um, in the new studio, um, I did order this last Friday, 
because uh, I haven't been super jazzed about the uh, the Apogee interface. I ordered a, oh, geez, what the hell is it called? I did order a Focusrite Scarlet 2i2, which is a USB audio interface with two uh, mic inputs. And the only reason I did that is because the Apogee one doesn't have um, left and right monitor output. So I use studio monitors at home in my home office studio, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I have a couple of, you know, JBL studio monitors um, for listening to music, doing some of the audio editing in post. Um, and the Apogee one does great for recording. And if I'm using a headset, but it does not have the studio out. So went and get something cheap. That was, I went and read a couple of videos on it. Um, I'll have some more information on that when I actually get it. It's supposed to show up Monday. I'll do a couple episodes with the Focusrite Scarlet and see, you know, kind of report back, but good reviews on YouTube. So um, hopefully that works out well. Post-processing, this is kind of another thing um, talking about uh, some of the post-processing stuff that we had some questions about from other users. But post-processing for me is pretty darn simple. I do a little bit of compressor. Um, the Auphonic product was amazing when I was using GarageBand. GarageBand was really hard to get things clean and clear, do the right amount of compression. Again, for somebody that's not an audio engineer, I just want to voice to sound decent. I want to get get rid of the garbage in the background and um, clean it up. Auphonic was a great tool. One pass, their downloadable tool is the one that I grabbed, worked awesome. Since I started playing with Hindenburg, um, the EQ tools, which I'm sure are super simple, do a great job for me for doing a little bit of EQ, doing a little bit of compressor and clearing out some of the garbage. They have some noise removal. And so I've been super happy with that. Again, coming from somebody that's not wanting to be an audio engineer, but just wants some clean quality audio, um, you know, for some of the podcast stuff I'm doing. So that's been really cool so far. I will do some updates on that later and, and kind of let, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep updating and let everybody know kind of how that goes, but, uh, I've been super happy. Um, I think our audio quality is improving quite a bit. Uh, at least when, when I listen to the show, it does. So I do my post, I try to keep my post uh, down to, you know, an hour. I'm trying to keep it nice and simple. So if I do a hour recording, I might have four hours, um, into a whole episode. Um, typically if I do, you know, I do an in-person interview or an, a phone interview that might last 40 minutes or an hour. Um, we BS about some other things. And then the interview post takes a little bit longer because I listen to it a couple times through and clear out any of the garbage, that's in there. I do try to keep it mostly transparent. Um, that's kind of the goal with the show, but anyway, um, some good progress. I think over the last, um, couple months and the last couple episodes, I was going to see if I could get Michael on today, but he's kind of busy with his kids. So, um, I, I am going to produce this next week. Uh, this next week I'm going to publish the episode that I had with, uh, um, with the video production company. I think that turned out really well. Uh, and I, I do want to continue doing a couple things. So I think my goal for show format is going to be every, I'm going to do an episode on what's going on in the shop and some of the technology uh, problems and issues and things that we're working through and um, just some updates on that end. So kind of the software that we're using, I'm going to talk a little bit about the limelight right hand, Alicia, she starts on Monday. 
um, talk about our connectivity upgrade, that kind of a thing, what we're doing with the network, talk about uh, some of the tools we're using and those types of things. And then on the alternate week, I'm going to try to do um, one of our interviews. So I've had so much interest in interviews so far uh, that I could probably stack all of them with that. But I think, you know, breaking it up and there's a little bit of interest in some of the technology side of things as well. So um, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to work on that a little bit and we'll see how that format works out again. You know, if you have, if you have an interest in, uh, um, any comments about that bootstrap.fm front front slash contact would be super helpful. I'd love to hear what other people think of the show and the format we're trying to work through. So, um, one other thing that I think, uh, I was going to throw in here, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, we might do a follow-up is, um, on a recent Linux unplugged episode from the guys over at uh, Jupiter Broadcasting, I think this was a couple weeks back, they did kind of this episode where this little this little segment of an episode where they used a Mac. So Chris, you know, they're obviously those are big Linux guys, so they're using that all the time. Um, our shop, we're, we're Mac on the desktop for the developers, but we use Linux heavily in more in the, in the back end. So in our cloud providers, um, I've been a fan of Linux for 20 years, you know, have been using, have been using stuff, um, pretty heavily since probably, oh, early two thousands, I would say. Um, so we use primarily on the back end. So all of our infrastructures is Linux, um, Linux, Apache, um, lots of PHP stuff, uh, Nginx, lots of Docker, lots of containerization, that kind of thing, but not so much on the desktop anymore. I haven't used uh, Linux desktop regularly in a long amount of time. So Chris went through this process that he did the show where he, uh, he brought his MacBook back to life and was trying to replace his Linux desktop tools on the Mac. And I thought that was super interesting. And I reached out and said, Hey, maybe you should do the flip flop. And so my thought process was I am going to, um, I ordered one of the new Dell XPS 13, um, developer editions, which should be here in another week, I believe super cool little 13 inch, um, Linux laptop that ships with Ubuntu 18. And I'm going to try to use that as my main machine, obviously, aside from recording <laughs> uh, the podcast stuff, but I'm going to try to use that as my main machine and see which pieces fit or do not fit uh, for me on my desktop. Most of my tools are pretty much cross-platform uh, for my personal daily workflow. I did reach out to the couple, couple of developers um, in the shop, and I think there's some interest from them as well. Uh, they might go down the path and make their notes about what they saw, what they liked, what they didn't like, and so on and so forth. So um, I thought that'd be a fun uh, update in the shop show as well. So hopefully, again, we're going to get back to this. One episode is going to be a shop show. The alternate is going to be an interview. Next week, I think we're going to do an interview. Um, again, just a quick follow-up. I really want to hear from everybody about uh, other small business owners, about how they're dealing with uh, coronavirus, some of the remote workflow stuff, how they're dealing, how it's affecting them and their business and their employees and their staff and that kind of a thing. Would love to have you on the show and talk that out a little bit. Um, you know, see if there's areas that we can connect you with other people, but really just want to hear um, how that, how that pans out. And, uh, we're kind of crossing our fingers and hoping for the best. Um, if you do want to reach out, um, obviously you can re reach me at, on Twitter at, at Rob Martinson. Um, you can reach the show at, at bootstrap FM or, um, bootstrap.fm front slash contact. If you have any suggestions for the show and we will see you soon.